Yo, you ever think about purpose? Really want one of these bullshit stars? Yeah, I really do. You're gonna have to care about everything. More than anything. This really was almost perfect. Almost. So we just knocked everything down? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Bear Brigade, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I'm Magna Mills, and I'm here with the Soup Deucer to talk about Season 2 of The Bear from FX and Hulu. I'm happy to be here, Magna Mills, drinking a Coors Light, nice and workmanlike, because that's how I do Chef Soup. How you doing today, baby? I'm doing pretty good, man, and I am still sipping some wine here, some red wine, Cabernet, Claude Dubois, Cabernet, man. And I'm going to top it off, and this is probably my last glass of this, but... Uh... See how we how we fare here. Yep, that's it for this. Oh, guy. that's a so, that's a nice pour right there. After I polish this guy off, then we'll be cruising back over to some uh I think some bush ices. I think we'll cruise over to those. Yeah, you know, but uh for now, we're gonna drink this and talk about season two of the bear episodes one through three, man. So uh let's let it rip, man. Let's let it fucking rip. Thank you again for checking out the Bear Brigade presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. You can find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. We're on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Please, it's the 4th of July. Don't forget your fireworks safety and don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. It helps other people find our show. We really appreciate it. Please and thank you. And I'm going to be literally the regular dude here, while Sue is a guy who has a ton of experience working in kitchens and whatnot, so he is going to be our inside man, our expert witness, whatever you want to call it. Sue, uh, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the uh, the Bears, season two, episodes one through three, man. Super stoked to do it. I've uh, been looking forward to going over the season and, you know, watching the season and then talking about it for quite some time now since we heard it was happening and it has happened. And here we are, man. Going into episodes one through three, we are going to be spoiling the fuck out of them. So from this point forth, full on spoiler, be warned. Going to talk about primarily that, but there might be further fucking spoilers too from later in the season and definitely probably from fucking season one. So be warned. Here we are. Thank you, sir. Season two, episode one of The Bear is the ninth overall episode of the show titled Beef. It was released June 22nd, 2023, along with the rest of the episodes in Season 2. Directed by uh, show creator, show co-showrunner, Christopher Storer. This is the sixth episode of The Bear that he has directed. Also written by Christopher Storer. This is his third solo written by credit on The Bear. Guest starring Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy. Edward Lee Gibson as Ebra. Corey Hendricks as Gary. Jose Cervantes Jr. as Angel. And Richard Esteros as Manny. The short plot summary is Carmen and Sydney work together on developing a menu for the bear and they get Sugar to come in as their project manager. The money in the tomato cans isn't enough, so they get a loan from Jimmy. He agrees to loan them $500,000 on the condition that they pay back the money in 18 months or he gets the restaurant and the lot, which is worth roughly $2 million. Given such a short timeline, they develop a plan to open the new restaurant in three months. Uh, Soup, did anything stand out for you here in season one, other than the fact that, you know, it was basically a setup episode, had a lot to do, you know, to get us from the finale of episode one into the meat of season two? Yeah, and I think it was absolutely necessary to to have that transition, man, you know, to, to kind of explain what's what happened and what is happening now in detail. Um, and, and I like it. I think it went over really well. I think it was well played. 
the whole thing with uh with you know obviously they have 300 grand that was jimmy's money and then they you know they need more they figure out that hey this plan isn't gonna work we don't have enough fucking money so they go to him and uh you know i think i think it was kind of i think it was kind of weird that uh i think it was ballsy actually i'm gonna take away weird and go ballsy that, that you know Carmen was like hey man i wasn't even gonna tell you about this shit, but I need more money. So instead, <laughs> instead of me giving you your money back, I need some more money and shit. But it but it was well played and a good business move, and it turned out working in its favor. Now the whole thing is they have a very 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 crunch time here to, to get the restaurant up and running and 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 generate some fucking income to be able to keep it that way. So uh, initially it was supposed to be maybe we can open in six months. They're going to crunch that into half and try to make it work. Uh, this is a great way to set up the fucking season, and here's what's going to happen for the rest of the season. I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, the one thing I will say, especially after having watched it a few times now, that this episode is way funnier than I gave it credit for initially. Especially even that scene with Jimmy, the whole idea that the entire time, or at least the first two thirds of it, that an alarm is going fucking off. <laughs> and and it, you know, Jimmy, he's trying to ignore it. Karm is just, it doesn't even bother him. And then finally, when it goes off, A, you have Richie giving the password, which is just absolutely fucking hysterical in what and of was itself. The password again? It was damn. Uh, it's all one word. It is a uh, go fast boats mojito. All one yes. word. <laughs> You know, Richie was on fire, even on the same thing when he's trying to, when he's in the crawl space and he calls uh, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, Kevin McAllister. That was a Rickyism, and I love that. Yes, definitely a Rickyism. Shout out, Trailer Purple. Yeah, or a Richieism here. Same thing that he just never bothered to get certified for food safety. Uh, a lot of just little stuff like that that I think was just absolutely hysterical. And then at the end of the alarm thing, you see that uh, Sydney and Sugar are both wearing earplugs. <laughs> right when it yeah, stops yeah, they yeah. just casually take him out i but you kind of notice the entire like time that. like why do they have those weird thing you know and then eventually it's like oh those are earplugs man carm's not wearing them though he's like it doesn't bother me he's just stone dude you know but fucking uh the other two yeah they're rocking those things and then uh you know jimmy over there he's freaking out he's like what the fuck turn the shit off you know he's pissed about it man and rightfully so dude that's a fucked up business meeting man <laughs> oh dude it fucked up business the, the whole opening thing where Carm's like all right i got this and he takes out a pizza box and starts trying to do finances on the back that whole bit was just again speaks to how funny this episode was and it also showed why they needed sugar it also speaks to how true things are sometimes you just bust out something like here man whatever works dude you know i mean if you got to write shit down on a fucking pizza box with a sharpie sometimes it's happened his exact quote when he was asked, like, you know, how good are these numbers? He's like, well, I think some of them might be kind of accurate. Yeah, you would be. Well, <laughs> Something he was along those that. lines. <laughs> and he wasn't totally wrong. They were kind of sort of a little accurate. Close, yeah. But again, that was hysterical. And it was also funny in a way that serves a plot because it showed, you know, uh, Sid shows it to Sugar. Like, come on, like, we can't, we can't have this. You know, like, we need. We need you. Like we need come on, come in off the bench, coach, or whatever. Yeah, and you know, her, you know, her kind of like prolonging the whole thing, like, I don't know, let me think about it. But you know, I mean, ever we all knew she was gonna fucking do it, you know, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean she had to, right. I th but I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed all of it. And another thing that you know we really enjoy and we'll focus on a bit is the music of the bear. I've got a uh, four songs that were used in the episode in my notes. You've got The Show Goes On by Bruce Hornsby in the Range, Handshake Drugs by Wilco, 
Transcendental Blues by Steve Earle and New Noise by Refused. I especially remember New Noise is towards the end of the episode when they're like, oh shit, we got to do it in six months and it's like, or in three months. It's like a real high tempo joint and it kind of kicks in and you get the montage of them putting all the shit on the calendar and everything. So that was one that stood out for me. Uh, what do you think, Zoop? Anything particular about the soundtrack here? I mean, I love Bruce Hornsby, dude. I've always been a big fan of Hornsby Band. His work, uh, you know, on solo and and with the Grateful Dead for for a bunch of years and everything. He's he's a legend, pretty much, man. You know, so it's nice to have him in the mix there. You know, um, I I like the way the soundtrack's put together as a whole because they don't have any of these uh, huge fucking bangers on it, but you have songs you know or something that you know, I don't know. It relates somehow, man. So I think it's very very well put together. Yeah, these were all tracks that I, I'm pretty sure I'd heard before in in some place, but nothing that I really you know knew too well or it was on you know any of my uh, Spotify year wrap up or that kind of thing. I do remember kind of the, the the Wilco drop was a little bit about halfway through the episode. That was pretty good, but the the Bruce Hornsby one that's what they kind of brought it in on, right? Is that the one early hey, in the? Yeah, they, they got a really good taste, I think, when it comes to kind of the, especially the music they, you know, kind of used to bring in the episode and to go out of the episode. It tends to, you know, obviously change with every episode, but been a big fan of their, their choices so far. So that's why we like to talk about the music. In, uh, you know, season one, obviously, since they're kind of demoing a restaurant, starting a new one, we did not get much cooking action, but we did get some kind of talk about the tools of the trade. Uh, soup is there really that big of a difference between like a good pot and like a, a restaurant supply pot or a regular pot or whatever yeah for sure man you know i mean if you get if you get cheap you want a heavy bottomed pot dude you know i mean no matter what you're doing you know i mean you don't want to always i love cast iron but you don't want to always go cast iron but you do want heavy bottom sauté and you want them to be good quality because you don't want those shits warping and shit they're under high heat for lots and lots of time strenuous fucking you're you're putting them through it pretty much man so you got to have decent quality shit man um she'll get warped she'll get fucked up she'll get chipped you know i mean you don't want to you'd rather fucking spend the money and have good shit that'll last you for a minute rather than having to replace shit all the time what's like a like a good good sauteed pan runner or something like five six hundred bucks probably a little less than that you can go you can go for like per pan probably man probably know, depends right. on the size a little bit too right and everything exactly I mean, your average, your average fucking saute pan you could probably you could probably get a decent uh you know industrial grade one for about 50 60 bucks man no I, that's not too bad uh you know because uh, they also uh you know look at some of the older pans all scored but you gotta hard. you gotta factor in man i might need like you know 30 of these yeah, <laughs> right there is definitely a costing <laughs> And, uh, you know, that'll come up later in the, the show about some of the other things they have to buy and everything and, you know, where you kind of want to spend your money, that kind of thing. That, uh, you know, because of that, we hear Cindy suggest maybe using some uh, barkeeper's friend on some of the old pots. Uh, that's that's a real thing. I looked on the internet. I checked. Uh, Super, do you have any experience with it? Is that a thing that actually works or never really had to mess it's, with it? it? You know, it's one of those things like if you use common in your kitchen, man, it's like the powder fucking what the fuck. Uh not the barkeeper's friend it's exactly that but it's just another chemical like that man you don't want to use it like soap you don't want to leave it on you don't want to soak something in it you know i mean basically it's kind of like a grill cleaner like how you clean your flat tops if you if you're in a restaurant that allows you to have fucking chemical to clean your grill some people don't so it's expensive it doesn't matter either way you clean it with fucking oil or whatever the fuck but uh you have the chemical basically what that shit does sits on there eats the shit off but you can't leave it on there for too long you have to do it when it's hot and shit you know um right it's supposed to be used in a very specific you know, scenario not like an everyday 
it's like a you know a weapon of last resort. Like you got to really clean some shit. You definitely don't want to put it in. Uh, you know, going back to cast iron, just don't ever fucking put it in a cast. Don't even put soap anything in a cast iron pot. No, just take care of your we'll cast iron. Some other time. Use it, clean it. But even regular pots and pans. Yeah, your stainless steel, your pots and pans, man. I mean. If you want to use shit like that, so that fucks fine. But uh, you know, I wouldn't recommend. You know, like I said, to use it properly. Don't fucking soak shit in shit like that, and see what you can do to bring them back. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to save that money. We don't all have Uncle Jimmy out there looking out for us. And I would say overall, we're you know going to be pretty big fans of every episode of The Bear. But we're still going to give a grade to each of the episodes we're going to talk about here in season two. So what do you think, Soup? We, we got to give out the stars. They're not Michelin stars, but there are stars. They're Bear Brigade stars. On a scale of zero to three stars, we'll let you give out halves if you'd like. How many are you giving to Beef? The uh, season two, episode one, the season two premiere. I'm going to give it a, man, you know what? I'm going to give it a solid two. Just an even two for a good season opener. Launching from, you know, you know, giving respect to where it came from in season one and kind of explaining some of that and, and pivoting into what's going to happen going into the season. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, two. And I think that might be lowballing, but I'm giving it to you. Well, I think you're on to something. I had it written down before you said it. I had legitimately, I wrote solid two stars. You know, because you got to save the three stars. You can't just hand them out like that to, to everything. I'd love, you know, I... I I think it's fair to say we're going to really enjoy all the episodes, so you got to give it room to be a grower, not just a shower. So I think solid two stars, a very workmanlike episode, did everything it needed to do, and was uh, funnier than I remembered it being. Now that we got the grade out of the way, it's time to pick our episode MVP for beef. How about it, Soup? Who, who you got, man? MVP, first episode of season two. Give me the beef. Where's the beef? I'm giving it to Carm for this one, man. Just showing that he has it all together and whatever, man, in his own way and shit, you know. And there's a lot of fucking flashes and performances from some of the other characters that I don't want to really uh, bust that out just yet, man, because I think there's more to come later for some of their shit. So uh, this week I'm giving it to Carm on week one. Damn it, man, I hate to agree with you again, but I'm also going to go Carm. <laughs> I, I had him. It, it was him or Sid for me, but I think Carm had a lot of work to do here. You know, just from a narrative standpoint, especially to kind of get us into everything we needed for season two and, you know, kind of light spoilers here. But I don't think season two relies on Carm as much as season one did. And this is, I think, one of the more, you know, Carm heavy episodes in terms of what he had to kind of lift from a plot standpoint. So I think he earned it here. Shout out, Carmi. You get this one. Now we've hit the point where we're going to talk about a few things as they relate to events in later episodes. If you haven't seen past episode one yet, that's not a problem. Just wherever you're watching this, wherever you're listening to this, look at the episode details. You'll see a little list of timestamps. Just click the one for episode two. It'll skip you right ahead to our episode two coverage. You won't have to worry about this. For everybody else, this is it. There are going to be spoilers for the rest of season two. Do not say that we didn't warn you. Uh, you know, not maybe a, a ton here, but we start to get some runners that we get throughout the season here. We have what uh, Richie referred to as the uh, the Jewish lightning plot here. It's set up beautifully here. They thread it throughout the season. When it comes back around, I think it's just brilliant, really. 
that whole thing worked really well for me. Uh, do you like that one, Sue? Probably kind of, you know, because you keep having the runner, like, why is not the, the fire suppression system and the gas and everything? And, you know, if it doesn't work, oh, what are we going to do? It definitely all kind of comes together. And I like that, man, because, you know, they kind of did a similar thing. But, like, here's my thing is, like, you know, you go to, uh, you go to all these uh, things from previous Mikey whatnots and, like, how much is left, you know? So what are they going to do next season? Is it going to be another Mikey fucking... Uh, the you know there's going to be the plot line eventually or i mean is he really one-eyed willie man is there always a treasure <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess the main, they die you know? i guess the main question is who came up with the password mikey or richie go fans post mojitos I, I would still like to uh nah, that's a good I, I would like to maybe know the uh the origin of that one one thing I did like here is you see Jimmy start. He's like, all right, let me tell you a story about, you know, the time somebody screwed up. And it's at a Steve Bartman, Alex Gonzalez story he tells. He tries like three times to tell the story before he finally gets it out. I thought that was a nice runner that he keeps trying to talk. And even though he's a pretty, you know, powerful dude, he keeps getting cut off on it. So it's one of those nice runners that I think pays off really good. There's going to be like, it's not just going to be smooth sailing, dude. You know, like there's going to be fucking... Uh some shit you know there's gonna be trials tribulations ups down everything else otherwise it wouldn't be a fucking show so if the show does continue which i'm pretty sure it will there's gonna be <laughs> yeah. more there's plenty of room for more things yeah that's <laughs> what know? i like that they're you know they're not doing a whole like you know uh spend the last half of the season finale setting up for the next season but i like just giving us a few breadcrumbs here i thought that was nice you know i thought it was yes. pretty obvious when uh, at some point in the episode uh nat's in the office in Carm, like, asked for the last slice of pizza or something. It's just, oh, I wanted it, but then it made me sick or something. And I, like, I remember the first time watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, she's pregnant. So I, I, that definitely threw it for me right then. And th they're pretty obvious about it, I think, for the most part. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. That she was pregnant I, in the first uh, episode? I, yeah, yeah, I kind of did, man. I'm curious on uh, on, on where that's going to go as far as her side story with uh, with some of this, man. Like, like who's, uh, who's the... Who's the you know i mean like oh no it's her husband it's pete it's her it's her husband and everything like that so you sure about that yeah i'm pretty sure about that and this is a case of where it happened i'm pretty sure because the actress got pregnant in real life so i don't know if this was necessarily you know part of the plan or whatever but you know i thought they, they paid that off pretty well when they get to the reveal of it and i did like the scene towards the end of the episode where they got to go home early right and carm gets home and he just kind of sits down and he looks at his phone and that gives you that idea that you're going to hear about where he doesn't know how to have fun, right? Just know how to enjoy himself. Like he gets home and he's like, all right, what do I do? Like, what's next? He's just looking at his phone, looking around his house with shit's like half unpacked. He's got jeans in his oven and everything. Like, what's he going to do if he's not? What do you do? Yeah, exactly. Dude, I know what that's like, man. Like, fuck that. Man, yeah, you get that sometimes. What do I get? What do I do? I got all my name here. It's hard, man. <laughs> And then you're like, man, do I commit to doing something huge, like cleaning out this room or cutting the grass or something like that? Or do I just fucking maybe watch some TV or something? Like, what do you do on a day off? I wish I had that problem. I, the, my main problem is just figure out which of the things I should do next. <laughs> I always have a list, but you get that because he has a singular purpose. And if you're opening a restaurant or something, you pretty much have to, I think. And we'll see that going forward. I think even when he meets Claire, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit the next Like, Why does he give it her the fake number or whatever? It's because he knows deep down that that the bear has to have 100% of his focus or they're fucked. Because the margin of error is so thin already that, 
you know, he can't do anything else really. So when he's forced to do something else, he doesn't know what to do because, you know, he's supposed to do the, the thing. Yeah, that's fucking, yeah, man, that makes a lot of sense, dude. That makes a lot of sense, man. Especially because now that's it, you know, that was his nut, that was his inheritance, whatever he had. Yeah. Without that, I don't know how much money Carm has. I don't think he owns another property. I mean, maybe, uh, his apartment looks like he rents or something. You know, he probably spent a lot of money on culinary school and getting it. I don't think he's got like a big nut stashed or anything. I wouldn't think so, man. You know, it's hard to get paid in this business. Like, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean, especially because he didn't own his own joint or whatever. I mean, he was probably doing all right, but he's also living in expensive cities and shit. True. He also strikes me as that dude that would like get some crazy, like nice apartment and he only would be there to sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's in New York he or something. He, he gets like a way more apartment than he needs and he literally is never there. That brings us to episode two of season two of The Bear, the 10th overall episode of the show titled Pasta. Also released June 22nd, 2023, along with all the other episodes in season two. Again, directed by show creator, show co-runner, Christopher Storer. This is the seventh episode of The Bear that he's directed. Written by co-showrunner, Joanna Callow. This is her second solo written by credit on The Bear. Guest starring, Edwin Lee Gibson as Abra. Molly Gordon as Claire. Robert Townsend as Emmanuel. Corey Hendricks as Gary. Jose Cervantes Jr. as Angel. And... Richard Esterhaus as Manny. The short plot summary is, the ongoing construction reveals new problems, including the discovery of mold. Sydney's father is worried that this new restaurant will fail, like so many others do. Tina and Abra are sent to culinary school to take advantage of the existing staff. Meanwhile, Carm reconnects with Claire, whom he knew growing up. Uh, Soup, once again, kind of your uh, brief overall thoughts on uh, episode two of season two, Pasta. I uh, I absolutely love this episode. I love the way it fucking just kind of fucking keeps building into into more of a uh, structured fucking season. You know, it doesn't branch out into solo shit just yet, but it had, but it definitely teases the idea of doing that. You know, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, we definitely did get some backstory from Sid here. I enjoyed that, and, and you kind of got everybody getting their, if not their purpose, but you see what's happening. You know, Richie's trying to find himself. They're obviously running into issues. You have Tina ever going to the culinary school. You got the whole moving the locker and Mikey's locker and Sugar becoming mom. I think there's a lot of, of really fun stuff going on on here. You know, the introduction to Claire. So I think it's actually, you know, again, probably you'd call it a, a chess piece moving episode a little bit. You're, you're meeting a couple new characters. Characters we know are going different places. You know, they're, so they're kind of just moving the pieces around the board. But I think it's a very effective episode, even though it's, you know, kind of workmanlike, maybe not as funny as the first episode, but it's one, again, I enjoyed. And I thought it, it did an excellent job, again, of kind of, you know, going from a show that was about a restaurant and helping us get into this new show that's about opening a new restaurant. And not only opening a new restaurant, dealing with business codes and red tape and permitting and all of this shit. You know, they talk about how many reps are there, how many guys, they just keep coming, right? That's what she said. <clears throat> this episode was very heavy on some of the, uh, uh, you know, on some of the things like, you know, the permits and what it takes to, the, you know, the the gritty, nasty shit that nobody really knows about of trying to open a fucking, you know, the fucking paperwork and the fine print and shit that goes into, into, into opening a joint, man. You know, it's not that easy just up and open a restaurant, man. You got, there's a lot that fucking goes into it, man. And I do like how they uh, how they depict a lot of that. And, 
and then how things go wrong you know i mean like fucking walls fall down and there's mold and there's you know, who knows what could happen man and things always go wrong man equipment and everything else so you know I, I like that they lean into that aspect of it a little bit it makes it a little bit more, more realistic and uh and i love that they're that, that 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 they're not trying to rush it you know like they're doing it legit like you know i mean none of this is being i mean it's in a hurry because it's on a hurry you know and, and they're trying to cut their time in half but as far as portraying it to an audience in the show it doesn't seem rushed by episode you know does that make sense? yeah i think the key is it, it doesn't feel like they're skipping steps right like maybe the timeline gets accelerated a little bit as the season goes along but here it feels that there's obstacles that are real they're not just being thrown up because the show needs to slow it down for pacing standpoints and i like the idea that you know mikey obviously wasn't running everything perfect and above board so not only do they have to do their shit, they have to literally atone for his past sins or whatever to let you know yeah they got to go back and fix their the old business licenses right. and taxes and debts and all I that yeah i honestly want to know how how he was operating so long under these false uh what the fucks, you know but hey whatever Brooke James said it best, right? Like, uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> it's all I got. That's that's what I'm going with. Is he was a little uh, Superman in it, and uh, we are both very big fans of the music featured on the bear. I have five songs that were featured in some way in this episode, including "She Drives Me Crazy" by Fine Young Cannibals, "Maybe I'm a Big Star Now" by Counting Crows, "You Are Not Alone" by Mavis Staples. Caravan by John Lawson and Strange Currencies by REM. Uh, a couple of these artists will show up again throughout the season. Uh, I thought Strange Currencies was a nice one to go out on. They're generally very good at, at picking those. And uh, my notes did say that I like the Counting Crows needle drop. I thought that that worked pretty well. Anything else about the, the music from this episode, too? No, dude, I totally agree. I think, I mean, obviously R.E.M. was, uh, you know, this was in the teaser trailer and everything too, as like, you know, the song that was kind of there. And again, it's not, you know, this isn't shiny, happy people. It's not losing my religion. It's not man on the moon. This is a fucking, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a B-side, but it's not exactly one of your fucking top R.E.M. tunes ever. It's a great fucking song though. And I love that they picked it to put it in here, you know, more than once too, as we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, gr great choice on that, man. And, uh, you know, like every other song, man, good fucking song selection, great placement in the fucking episode for it. And uh, well done. Yeah. It's kind of odd because I would struggle to be like, exactly what kind of mood do I need to be in to listen to Counting Crows? And uh, that was actually a, a nice deployment I think there. Counting but... Crows, I think Counting Crows actually fits really well. To the oh, it really does. I don't know where you would use it. And again, that's a, a deeper cut. That's earlier Counting Crows, but that's a deeper cut. Yeah, I wouldn't put Mr. Jones in there or, you know, but like a deeper cut kind of like like that would, you know, I could see like that vibe of shit. Yeah, the boy, uh, Adam Durwitz, I always had a kind of a good voice, a unique voice or whatever. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. I a mean, lot of Counting Crow shit would sound the same-ish a little bit sometimes, you know what I mean? And uh, right, I thought yeah, it was really good you know, uh, deployment of that here. Right. Again, you don't want to put Mr. Jones or the Rain King or whatever the, or the radio song, but like I like that. Hey, here's a different Counting Crow song. We'll put it in there. Yeah, it's a soundtrack done well. I mean, I think that's what I would say. You know, shout out to everybody who, you know, the, the uh, soundtrack supervisors, the, you know, 
everybody who's working on picking these songs, licensing them, all that shit. Y'all are doing good stuff. We really appreciate it. And once again, because it's kind of, you know, the transition episode here, we do not get a ton on the food side of things. We do have Carmen Sid kind of brainstorming stuff. You see a little bit of a, a tasting and creation going on. Sid and her dad eat dinner, but, the, you know, we only don't really see any of the food very much. And again, a couple of scenes at the culinary school, but that's more just about the school than anything they're cooking or whatever. Anything that you'd kind of like to elaborate on here? Well, as far as what we saw out of the culinary classes, it was basically just sort of, you know, I mean, dice up some celery, dude, figure that out. Uh, dude had trouble with it, you know? So uh, I do like the scenes where they're trying to figure out the menu. Figuring out a menu is definitely tough, definitely very mentally uh, challenging. And, and, and yeah, you got to fucking sit there and figure it out. You can't just have an idea and not and just wing it when it comes time. Like, you got to make it a couple of times first, you know? So, so I like that that's the way they're doing it. They're doing it at the house and shit, you know? Um, it's practice, man. It's, well, it's, it's this idea, right, of the organized, like, it's a chaos menu, but it's like organized chaos. I mean, what is that really? And I like the concept of it, but that's a th tough thing to define, you know? Well, going into concept, man, the concept is like this was the original beef of Chicagoland. So they, I think they want to stick with we're going to have these original beef sandwiches, or hence the sandwich window. Right, they have the window, yeah, yeah. They also want to have the elevated dinner dinner menu, which I don't think they're focusing very much on lunch and shit. I didn't see a whole lot of fucking lunch items in there. They're focusing on I want a dinner menu, you know cool okay but that's uh you know and that's where she you know i mean sydney's trying to get a star out of this so that's a kind of a big deal dude so if you're going on that level of shit man um you know i mean one of the best quotes of the whole thing was where Carm told her if you really want to do this you got to care about everything more than anything and that's true yeah everything counts and then some yes <laughs> every single little detail and i think they do a pretty good job of that of showing them you know caring about napkins and, and silverware and plates and uh, portraits or you know paintings Which and really when you break it down and look at it from like i mean it seems ridiculous and and fucking just like why but it's the yeah. i did like the bit when they're cooking and uh or whatever and something gets fucked up and it's like oh too much acid and you see that you see Karn just like does that like happen a lot when you're fucking around with shit and you eat something that's like oh boy that is like yeah I, I wouldn't want to say it happens a lot but you definitely are like uh well that's not that that don't work we gotta try something else yeah I mean that happens you know right I guess there's bad tasting and then there's like you have a violent physical reaction to it the bad tasting can happen, but the physical reaction probably not so Definitely much. Very over embellished on something like that. Rarely would anybody make uh, anything that was that fucking bad to where it would be like painful to eat or something. Right. I think he says like he must have just screwed <laughs> up like the the proportions or whatever, basically. So. Uh -huh. But still, I mean, if you're looking for uh, perfection, or even if it's like, oh fuck, that tastes like shit, you know, we got to figure that out. Uh, still, it's you know same thing. I, yes, I do. I do think those uh, those scenes were definitely way over embellished, though. Man, as far as yeah, like, I, I forget if it's this episode or next, but Carm tells her something like it was almost perfect. Sid. It was almost perfect. Like you know, just you gotta just do it again, right? Yeah, I mean, if that's you have to go for perfect, and it's almost there. Then yeah, you have to get there. But uh, you know, I mean, it is. It really. Is. I mean, anything is. You never. You don't nail it fucking the first time, dude. You know. And if you do, you're not going to nail it the second time. It'll take you 15 more times before you nail it again. That's what she said. Right, you kind of get the exact kind of way. Yeah, you know, if you nail it the first time and don't get it again until 20, 
But if you nail it on time three and then you're good for the rest of the go. If you nail it the first time, you better write that shit down. That's all I'm saying. That's why you always write <laughs> and that be able to down. Right. Like, and do it in a way that's repeatable. Right. Now, it's all trial and error, man. You know, I mean, it, it, that's how you figure it out, dude. Yeah. yeah. And they also say, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. But I think when you get to this, the level they're trying to get to, you have to kind of deal with that, right? Because if you were a regular high volume restaurant, good is enough, right? Like it just needs to be good, good atmosphere. But they're trying if you're to go okay for with being, if you're okay with being mediocre, you know. Yeah, I don't hey, like. Dude, I, there's a lot of TGI Fridays and Applebee's around me and shit. Still, how do people go to Olive Garden, dude? There's always people at Olive Garden. I don't is like also the cheapest thing you could possibly cook at home right it's so hard to fuck up <sighs> dude i tell you what man things like pasta and rice they boil olive garden boils their shit bags, right often. they don't even it's all frozen like you might as well go to the grocery store it's crazy how it's like man you got people that can cook fucking uh you know lamb shank perfectly and all the but they can't make rice you know, like you get like it's hard, like simple things. You need a like, good pan for rice. You do need a good pan for rice, so that shit will stick and burn. I, I mean, yeah, in a timer, man. Just make sure and get the right time on the rice, man. The other one might take a little practice to get your, uh, you know, your water to rice ratio correct. You don't need a fucking rice cooker, though. I know that I'm like Robin. I love my rice cooker because I'm a regular dude. I'm not. I'm, I, I ain't the chef, but. uh you know, you can see hey, if you make it. good rice in a rice cooker, make the rice in a rice cooker. Whatever works for you. I right? can make low maintenance. Like, it's a high... It might not have as high of a ceiling. It might not be quite as good as the other shit. The floor is way higher. I can't burn it, and it'll shut off automatically and keep it warm if I, you know, if I'm doing other shit. That's worth it to me. It's not probably not as good quality-wise, but it's almost impossible to fuck it up. Whereas regular rice, you could definitely at least burn your pan pretty good. You can definitely fuck up rice, dude. Most people do. For some reason, That's rice what I'm saying. Like, that's why I go I'm with the rice. Up I'm just going for the, the, the high floor aspect of it, not the high ceiling. You know, I'm taking the safe way on that one. I'm I'm okay with that. And, uh, you know, I, I would say we take the, the safe way with the bear, but we do just really enjoy it. Still, we give a grade to each episode of The Bear on a scale of zero to three stars. Kind of Michelin style, but, you know, more Bear Brigade style. We can give out a half star if we want. So, Soup, how many stars are you giving to Pasta? Season 2, Episode 2. And we only can break these things in halves, right? For now. Yeah, you know. One and a half. One and a half to number two. One and a half. One and a half to number two. See, I feel you're right because I think I liked one a little bit better, yeah. but I don't know if I want to. I think I'm going to keep this one. You know, I, I said a, a solid two on one. I'm just going to go with uh, just, a, just a flat two here. Flat two, I'm going with. I'd have given it a 1.75, 1.75, but we're only doing that. So, yeah, one and a half. Well, the, the math will still the same. It's still a two, but I'm just adding my little emphasis on the syllables. You know, that's how it works. I like the wordage there. Good verbiage. <laughs> you got to cover your ass, man. That's how it works. <laughs> All right, man. Now it's time to pick our episode MVP for pasta. Who you got, Superman? MVP episode two. I almost want to give this one to Nat, dude. Interesting. I can. I would be behind that. I think I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm giving All right. it to you. Know, with Nat, the sugar sister. Yeah, sugar gets it, dude. Rock and roll. I think I'm going to give this one for Tina. 
And she doesn't get as much to do here, but I love her just energy. You saw her real excited about getting the shot to get the Sue job in the last yeah, episode. Yeah. And now she's just really excited. She's, you know, boom, I'm, oh yeah, I want to go to culinary school. And she's trying to get Abram in with her and everything. Like, come on, come on. You want to do this? I just like her energy. And like, she's trying to level up, right? Like we saw Marcus do it and she's trying yeah, to do that. Sure. She's doing it here. And I, I just was really feeling her energy this episode. I'm with you on that. I'm saving her for later, actually. But yes, I agree with that one. That's a good call, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. You know, there's a, there's plenty to go around. We got 10 episodes here. I ain't worried about it. <laughs> and uh, now we're at the point here. We're going to talk about a few things as they relate to some events in later episodes. So if you've not seen past episode two yet, no problem. Just go ahead, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, look in the episode details. There's going to be some timestamps there. Just click on the one for episode three. Skip you right ahead. You don't have to worry about anything else. For everybody else, though, we are going to now be talking about full spoilers for the rest of season two of The Bear. Until we start episode three, this is it. This is the last chance to skip ahead or whatever. Don't call mom. We told you. Do not fucking call mom. I loved all of that shit, dude. Everything yeah. with kind of like a Marcus and Vac form their little alliance and the calling mom and I thought all of that was great. Yeah, dude, fucking uh, that the whole situation and it, you know that dives back into uh, season one where who's it was it Neil whatever the fuck uh, Maddie Matheson's character there man yeah fact is uh, yeah. Uh, but even in season one, he's the one who's like, oh, I mean, Richie's selling coke out the back alley and shit. Like, he's, he has that little bit of snitch in him, but you still don't hate him, you know? But it's like, man, it's, if it's so He's that dude everybody loves. He's everybody's best friend. Like, he said, he tells that to, to Claire, right? Like, uh, oh, okay, you know, a fact over your best friend comes about him. And then he's like, you know what? He is. Like, he's that dude who feels like he's everybody's best friend. Like, you've known that guy, right? He's in, it for the great, he's in it for the greater good. Yeah, right? he has that guy energy. Like, he's just, like, not really, you know, there's no real evil about him. He's just kind of like, you know, he's just, uh, he's the bull. Yeah, 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 that makes sense, man. Yeah, we mentioned it, you know, kind of opening Mikey's locker. It was just the hat. The one thing I do want to know, uh, there was a hockey stick behind it. And Richie gets asked about it. He's like, yo, taking that secret to the grave or something like that. I'm curious the secret to you, right? Yeah, well, what's up with the secret hockey stick, dude? Dude, uh, there's something I want to know about. Uh, you see him fucking wielding it. From time to time after that too so he's got it you know uh, yeah it'd be fun one to come back i think i would like to to you know get a little bit more with that maybe yeah yeah i think that's in the works it should be anyway there's no reason just leave that open you know and this is really minor but we saw Karim, you know talking to people on the phone earlier and i think it was even the fridge guy and he gives his number and it's a 773-555-0901 and then later on when he meets claire he goes seven seven three five 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 zero nine, and then he hesitates and goes zero two. Did you pick up on the fake number the first time? Even if you didn't get the number, did you get it from the hesitation? I didn't. Um, I wasn't. I, no, I didn't, and I should have. But I. But I. It's didn't. weird. I don't know why, but I have a you know I have a brain for numbers a little bit like that, so I instantly picked up on it. Yeah, I also thought that the first time around he said too many numbers on the phone in the first uh, time, but I think maybe he was fumbling with it. I don't know. I was like, oh, he said too many numbers, you know, but then maybe that might have just been me or might have whatever the fuck. But then on the second go around, yeah, no, I didn't even think about it. I was like, you know, I was thinking, hey, it's another 555 number, man, you know, just like in last right. It has to be. <laughs> I don't mind if they embrace that. I just wish it would have been something random, like they used like the, the last 
the four digits for like the number Elaine used when she'd give out her fake number on Seinfeld. Remember that was a whole thing. And if you ever are going to do a fake number, like he goes 02 instead of 01 at the end, just go 10. Just switch the last two. So that way you can at least credibly claim that the other person put it in their phone wrong. Very well thought. I mean, here here you could say like, oh, you hit the two instead of the one, but I feel like it's more likely that someone would reverse the last two digits. So just if you're going to kind of do it that way. Um, Any thoughts on the kind of the meeting with Claire overall? I I did actually kind of like it. You know, we saw a, a decent part of it in the trailer. I did like how she remembered the name. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean it's 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 cool, dude. It's not. I did not have fucking very high hopes for this, but I I think it's okay the way it turned out. Uh, one thing I will say about it is between the two of them, eye contact, man. Holy fuck! The, they're not. There's times where it just isn't words, and it's just the way they are. Just they just have that powerful. They have eye chemistry. Contact. They have chemistry. They have legit yeah. chemistry. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it's there. There's something huge there, and it was it was portrayed very well. Um, you know, in that regard, but yeah, I it. Nice, <laughs> nice. I like that. And again, here you see multiple callouts. Like uh, Sid calls out Nat for uh, being pale. Richie calls her off for looking green. So you know, pretty obvious that she's pregnant. If you didn't figure out in the first episode, I think it's pretty obvious here. And somehow, I love the fact that throughout the season, Sugar's in charge of fixing the toilet. It seemed like that would be a, a fact job, but uh, she always ends up with it. And she seems to know what she's talking about when she's arguing with the plumber about like the release valve or whatever. It, you get the idea that this isn't the first time. Like the woman knows her way around a toilet. Yeah, she definitely knows her way around a toilet. That's for sure. Now, uh, I didn't know that. Uh... You know, talking to the plumber about that much of her personal details. I thought she was on hold, but it's almost funnier if she was actually talking to him. Yeah. He's so laying out her whole life story. She hadn't even told anybody else she's pregnant yet. It's the first time she says it out loud. It is, right. So that, that whole scene was a little bit like, okay, well, what? With the toilet gurgling yeah, in the background, again, great sound design. Great sound design with just a like, subtle toilet. What, what, what are y'all trying to get at here, man? You know, um, so uh, you know that that definitely made it more intriguing as far as uh, for one, why is it being kept such a big secret? Maybe there's more to it than we than we think. Why does she specifically not want to have Richie know about it? Is fucking uh, what's his nuts the fucking. Uh, Peter's the father, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm positive. I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a I don't think she's getting around, out. dude. He, yeah, it, uh, you know, it, I, I think yeah. he, he, uh, I think he carries himself well. I think he uh, does a lot better. Seems a lot better than, you know. I have more regard for him than I, I had in season one. I guess I would say. I don't have a problem there with that, man. But I would like to say, man, maybe on a fucking uh, just cause like friendly wager, man, going in right now later in the. Later in the life of the show, dude, do we, do we find out that maybe fucking uh, he's not the father of this child? I'll put five on it. All right, I got five on it. That's a that's got five on it. I got sure, five. Dude, sure, sure. <laughs> when cool. I win, I'll even let you buy buy the five back for a shotgun or something like that. Maybe in one little gag, I love. <laughs> one thing I loved it was just a minor gag is that uh, when uh, Tom calls for the phone Marcus throws it and it breaks and then Sugar comes in to yell and then she asks for the phone and Carm's like oh Marcus just broke it can you order a new one just right. like kind of that idea that just keep buying new shit or whatever that was just a real minor joke but I love the shit out of it and we get the setup here for a couple of runners you get the green tape you remember at the end of the, at the season he's ranting about you know we tear the tape wrong like they can't even tear the yeah. tape. Like that's a big deal. And we see Marcus be real precise with the way he does the tape. 
Oh, uh, we get the, uh, what's the, uh, is there, a, I'm sure there probably is, what's the proper name for, like, that white chef jacket thing, like, Charm's thing, with the, uh, the monograms on the, on the sleeve or whatever, is there the a name for is that just what it is, just chef coat? Yeah, 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 he has multiple different fucking variations of the chef coats, but yeah, it's chef coat. Yeah, that's cool, because then he gives, like, you know, Sid kind of looks at it and it kind of admits that she want one, and he gives her hers in the finale that's monogrammed and everything. Well, yeah, that's because of where it's from, dude. You know, I mean, right? It's from the they show the the maker, right? I'm assuming that's like the, yeah, that's the what, super that's what legit. Like, it's not just because of that; it's because it's that specific, you know, uh, designer yes. or whatever. Yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, I, I assume because they showed it real prominently in that, ep, you know, in the when they show it, they they definitely linger on the the label and everything like that. And we get the uh, like the chest rubbing thing here. That definitely, I like that, man. Uh, I get that though. I've had signals like that with people. Sometimes it's I've had it with like snapping your fingers, uh, different like basically the idea of like you know deal with this later kind of. Right. Yeah, I like, that. I like that. I can't. I can't personally say that I've ever had one of those really. But there's you should that bring it into the rotation. It's not a bad idea. You might as well try. Yeah, it. But there's always that unspoken like you know you give somebody that look and all of a sudden it's like all right we know we'll fucking deal with this later. And uh, at the end of the day, we're going to be sitting outside having a beer and talking about this, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? so. Yeah, rock and roll. I, I like how they did that. And uh, one of the best parts is, you know, Sugar tells Charm that his fork numbers are off, and he literally promises her that there are not too few forks. When that comes back in the finale with everything else going on, and she's like, guess what? We just ran out of forks. I just died. You know what I mean? You needed like a little tension at least. And there's yeah. so many runners with forks here. I just thought it was just spectacular. They keep bringing forks back and back and back. The writing is just so good in this season. You know, it's just very well-written television. It's important to have forks. You can't run out of fucking forks, dude. You know, you cannot, they did. And then they got to go buy the shitty forks. What I mean, what forks are you getting from the store you can get to that quickly in Chicago? Not good forks, probably. No, probably not, man. They wouldn't probably. have them at the joint where Richie was polishing and everything. You know, they, they wouldn't even be having any of those over there. No, nah, I mean, I'm sure those are fucking straight silver. You yeah, know. he had to get the silver polish out of the drawer. So yeah. 100%, yeah. Like the real deals. And I think this is the, the first time we really get the mention of the fridge guy. It comes up a couple times. Carm tells Marcus, oh, I'll call him back. Sugar talks to him about it. He calls him back. And then you see, like, you know, fridge guy go at the top of the, like, you know, Carm's to-do list. So I thought it was a nice job of setting that up because, man, when that happens in the finale, it's amazing. And they set it up. It's not like it came out of nowhere. They spent the entire season setting it up. That's, dude, that's one thing that was super cool about the show, man, is that there are so many of those things that you don't even realize are happening until they happen, even like small age. Yeah, all this little stuff that they just see throughout, 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 you don't realize until it pays off. And it's even like the Richie, the, the Taylor Swift thing. Like, it just, it's such you know not big things but man they bring them back around and they land so well yeah absolutely and the one thing i really liked is richie you know kind of trying to make himself useful and then when he's just like you know what this isn't mold because if it was mold if i tap the ceiling it would collapse on me and he taps the ceiling and it just collapses on him and he just stands there and just kind of takes it in the dust just great shot right there and then I love it that he's like, is that all? And then another thing falls on him. Yeah, like throat. a little, like a pal or it's like a kid's <laughs> toy or something like that. Because I wasn't sure if Richie knew the mold was there already and was just trying to play it off because of the locker thing. But then I was like, all right, he didn't really know. Because he wouldn't have done that if he knew. 
Eh, maybe, or maybe it was You were just like hoping a, he got lucky, maybe. Yeah, if nobody notices Buck Inglesley, you know, that was kind of the mindset of the place. No one notices the end of the broom goes straight up through the ceiling. <laughs> I have to say, you know, again, this is probably one of my least favorite episodes of the season, but it's still a pretty goddamn great episode. That's how good this season is. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with you on that one, man, for sure. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just there's no, so many bangers. Compared to some other ones, right? Again, it's a little bit of a chess piece mover. You know, it's a little bit of an in between interstitial. Like it's got to get everything from the premiere into the you know they're kind of those season long arcs here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a stepping stone episode, really, man. And I thought it worked pretty well, and it was entertaining enough to keep you interested to want to watch the next one. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely good. Rock and roll. Let's do this thing. That was good. That was good. So yeah, man, I had a little accident. I spilled beer all over my fucking shirt. So I changed my shirt, and now I'm ready to go for the next fucking episode here. So let's do it. Let's get into it, man. Talking about episode three right here, man. Off the bear. Season the two. Bear. Stop bear. This is Season 2, Episode 3 of The Bear, the 11th overall episode of the show, titled Sunday. Originally released June 22nd, 2023, along with the rest of Season 2. Directed by Joanna Callow. This is the fourth episode of The Bear that she has directed. Written by Karen Joseph Adcock and Catherine Chatina. This is their first written by credit on The Bear as a duo. Guest starring Edwin Lee Gibson as Abraham, Molly Gordon as Claire, CG as Naya, Jose M. Cervantes as Angel, and Richard Esteros as Manny. The short plot summary is, at an Al-Anon meeting, Carm discusses his failing attempts to search for fauna. He and Sydney try to prepare their menu, but they realize that they need to reset their palates. They arrange to go to various restaurants around the city, but Carm blows her off to help Claire out. Sydney travels around the city by herself, going to multiple restaurants to sample dishes and find inspiration. She also gets advice from an old colleague, who stresses the importance of having a business partner that you can trust. Sydney returns to the bear, and she gets upset when she finds out that Carmen's been making major decisions without her input. Yeah, there used to be a wall there. That's it, Soup. Uh, kind of the basic breakdown of episode three, Sunday. What are your kind of overall thoughts on this one? Uh, overall, it was a pretty good episode, man. It was more one of those kind of tie the other ones together episodes, but there was a lot in here that, that was standalone important as well. You know, I mean, the... The whole like trying to come up with a menu, uh, Sid taking the food tour, trying to explore the, you know, expand the palette and everything else, which uh, I think was a major fucking, uh, you know, importance, um, you know, and she ran into some, you know, her going through town and running into what she ran into, you know, the, uh, the you know, all the restaurants that had closed and, you know, and, and then running into some old uh, colleagues or, or friends or what have you uh, later on there was, uh, you know, it was all, it's, I think it's all going to come into play later on. I think some of it actually does, but uh as far as the season goes but um but yeah definitely definitely very good very well written episode and uh, it keeps you it keeps you going it certainly it doesn't disappoint it's entertaining enough to to roll through it and i'm just super glad that half the episode with Carm helping uh what's her name fucking move shape that was nice even though we knew it was there we didn't have to fucking see any of it so i'm cool with that <laughs> Yeah, dude, no one wants to even think about moving, much less help somebody move, much less watch somebody helping somebody else move. <laughs> that would not be terribly entertaining. Uh, definite highlight of the episode was kind of the food tour by Sid. 
I think that was just both very cool to look at, a lot of real stuff shot on location in Chicago, I'm assuming. And it was an interesting way to kind of get inside our head about the way her kind of worrying is creeping in with the listing of the jobs and they're not getting any bites on that either. Right. And the, the other stuff is kind of secondary. You, you knew the Carmen Claire thing was going to kind of start to happen. So not really a huge surprise, but again, you, you feel kind of bad for Sid. But on the other hand, I mean, when you get multiple raccoons, like raccoons plural, you kind of got to just knock it down and start over. And I don't, she had probably rightly mad about some things, but she was probably overstepping a little bit on that one. I think, you know, it was a Gorbachev moment, like Reagan, like the wall must come down. Yeah, I think she was, I think the the idea of the wall coming down or making any drastic change or, or structural fucking issue like that at that point, especially since they're redoing the whole fucking thing. Not that big a deal. I think the fact is that she was left out of the loop and kind of felt a little bit fucking, you know, yeah, that's what Carmen even says. He's like, what do you want me to do? Call you and just tell you that's what we're going to do? And she's like, yeah. I guess that's fair. I mean, I guess it's probably worth the text if you're taking down the wall. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and she wasn't even expecting to see him there. But he could also have been like, well, this is why I've been fucking tied up all day. So fuck off, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain level of guilt. I mean, I guess it would have helped probably. I mean, she certainly orders enough food for multiple people. So, you know, at least having him there probably would have helped. I wonder what the, the tab was on that one. But we'll talk about that more in a minute here. Let's kind of move on. Something we always like to talk about here is the music of the bear. I've got six songs on my list that were featured in Sunday. And, you know, I'll just be honest with you here. I was not familiar with most of these going in. You've got Goodbye Girl by Squeeze. Secret Teardrops by Martin Rev. 25 Miles by Edwin Starr. Future Perfect by the Derudi Column. To Make You Happy by Tommy McGee. And I Like the Things About Me by Martin Staples. Um, you know, like I said, I really didn't know any of these. Do you have anything to add? I did like kind of the, the secret teardrops. I didn't wasn't familiar with, but they used that during kind of Sid's tasting montage. I, I thought that fit that well. Any thoughts on any of the particular songs or how they were used or anything like that? You know, I mean, I, I'll totally be right with you. Like, I I didn't, I was not familiar with any of these tracks as well, man. But uh, but I did like them in the show. I think they were, as with every fucking episode, they were placed perfectly uh, right where they should have been. It, they, you know, it fit the mood. It definitely, uh, you know, carried everything together and everything else. You know, it was uh, it was well done. But uh, yeah, I no zingers here. You know, you're not familiar with these songs. At least I wasn't. And, uh, you know, it was nothing that really grabbed you as far as musically in this one, other than just being good enough or, or better to carry the episode you know i mean it was, like i said well done just didn't know the songs there was nothing that really punched you in the dick you know there wasn't there wasn't a, a banger in there you know but that's fine you don't always need that right there was no kind of signature needle drop there was nothing that you're like oh my god you gotta get out the shazam and figure out what that is so then you can go add it to your spotify or whatever nothing quite on that level but it did definitely work for the feel of this episode and there's so many good tracks throughout it 10 episodes i'll give them kind of one here to just set the mood so to save some of the bangers for the other episodes which you know we're not spoiling anything here but you know minor spoiler there'll be some more good music coming up i think that's pretty safe to say all right man you've been wanting to talk about the food and everything like that now we finally get an episode that we can sink our teeth into a little bit you know from a food standpoint we're not doing a vampire thing here we're not doing blade soil and green is people not doing that either but uh, we actually get to okay, see I thought Sid we were and drinking Tom. liquor blood, man. I thought we were going to get to drink liquor blood. Oh, man. the liquor blood, dude. The liquor <laughs> blood will get you... Uh, yeah, watch what we do in the shadows, man. You got to be easy on that liquor blood. 
Yeah, we finally get to see kind of Sid and Carm experimenting a bit, trying to make the menu. And then Sid goes on her food tour where we see a lot of different stuff, but I'm assuming most of which is authentic and not stage food. At least it looks that way. And then at the end, Sid tries to make that pasta that she failed at making in her story about catering and doesn't really seem to like it there either. Uh, anything in particular about the, the kind of the food, the process, that kind of thing in this episode that stands out? Well, I like it that can't use their kitchen so they're in uh i believe carmy's kitchen you know trying to come up with something they're trying to figure out a dish or whatever they're and, one of my favorite bits that he had all those jeans in the stove yes yeah yeah uh, i mean and that's great that's classic man you know a lot of, i would expect it to be socks or something but jeans is cool just as good um <laughs> but, uh, did kramer do that didn't kramer put his clothes in the oven at one point in the side i'm pretty sure it doesn't surprise me whatsoever yeah <laughs> I don't think it was a direct uh, Seinfeld shout-out. but storage. Yeah, if nothing else is a Carm gives me a little Kramer vibes. It's like Kramer vibes, so that's uh, why I was bringing it up. Uh, you fact, do... now you got me on an idea here. I need to build a, uh, a dresser that looks like a stove. I can, make a, I can make a whole bunch of money. Nobody steal this shit from me, man. I'm patenting it right now. A dresser that looks like a stove. You open it up like that. It's got the shelves like that, but you put your fucking clothes in it. Your jeans and shit, T-shirts, whatever the fuck. Underwear and shit. Boom. The key to that is just to way overcharge for it for like five grand a piece or something. So people think they're like super artistic. Or you don't even have to hook it up to the gas line, man. You don't even have to plug it in, man. You just... <laughs> but, yeah, it's way cheaper than actual... Aside from that, man, yeah, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, going into the scene here, you know, obviously they're cooking in his kitchen because restaurants unusable. We find out later in the re in the episode that, you know, she uses somebody else's kitchen to, to you know, practice a little bit more, which is cool. But this is a practice round, you know, this is training camp, this isn't even preseason yet, it's 11 weeks to open. They're trying to put something together to make a fucking dish for the menu, you know, and uh, and it was an epic fail, but a good idea. So, you know, obviously the decision is let's roll around town and, and taste some shit. Great fucking idea. Anything on the actual kind of tasting thing they were doing, there was like a, a roasted grapefruit, uh, oh, a burned grapefruit, radicchio, a little chili. I mean, it didn't look too great for me. I mean... And they both seem to like physically revolt at the taste of it. Does that happen when you're making stuff sometimes? Do you really kind of miss that bad every once in a while? Yeah, well, yeah, sometimes, man. You know, I fucked up not too long ago and put and uh and put crushed tomatoes into the salsa instead of uh instead of diced tomatoes, you know, and it's completely different. It's now you're making fucking marinara sauce with you know charred onions and jalapenos and shit so obviously i just turned it into a different sauce and called it something else and and, and made it work but it fucked up i couldn't use it for salsa that's for sure so it was edible still at least <laughs> yeah you, as long as you can figure something else out to you to do with it it's fine but uh which sometimes you come up with some of your best shit that way by making mistakes sometimes you come up with the things man that goes for all kinds of things not just cooking whatever the fucking life means sid marinated it too long or something like that i feel like yeah, marinating something too long will definitely do that too. Uh, the radicchio, the radicchio she had marinated too long and uh, something like that. I mean, it's like a cabbage kind of that kind of texture. So it's going to absorb, I mean, it's mostly water, like lettuce, you know, it's mostly fucking water. It's going to absorb a lot of that flavor. So whatever you're marinating something like that in, it's going to totally fucking take over. Like you got to be careful with like bok choy and shit like that too. You only can marinate it for like a little bit and then go to it. Otherwise it's going to just be much man of whatever the fuck you have it in. So. <laughs> Sorry, unless you're making kimchi, then you're, unless you're making kimchi. while you're fermenting, yeah. And then on uh, Sid's food tour, we see her eat some kind of classic stuff. She gets a big-ass ice cream sundae, a slice of pepperoni pizza, mocha latte, something with an egg on top, some mango tarts. 
some mushroom adobo, and then a breakfast sandwich with a logazina and a hash brown. Any any of those stand out to you or, you know, that stuff you kind of enjoyed in particular? Yeah, uh, the one thing that kind of stands out is why the fuck, like, pizza's delicious, but if you're studying food, you know you're not going to be making pizzas at the, at the idea of the restaurant you have there. And if you are, I mean, you're probably not going to, I don't know. I, I just think that was a bad decision. Like, if, you, if you're going to go around taste shit and, you, you know, you're, you're eating a lot of food, but I don't think it was necessary. I think it should have been something else that kind of pertained to what she was doing. You know, it's kind of going off the homework there, you know, like. It looked good, but. Me wrong. I mean, I would have eaten that. Yeah, you would think it would have gone something a little more exotic, or if you're going to do pizza, do yeah. some kind of like suit, like specialty deep dish or something like that. Yeah, I mean, now I get it. If you want to, hey man, I want to go out and get a slice of fucking pie. Yeah, absolutely. But this is a research kind of thing, and I just didn't think it fit with with the kind of research that she was pretty much, you know, trying to do. Now I may be wrong. Maybe she needed that in the mix, or she felt like she needed it in the mix, and whatever works, man. But to me, I would have, I would have maybe focused on something a little more, uh, a little more, you know, in the, within the lines of what I was trying to do. You know? The only thing I can think of is it, it. I think it's kind of referred to that Carm set up some appointments for places, so it might have been people he knew, and so that's just what was on the list, and that's kind of what the, the best thing they had there or something. So, you know what I mean? I'm guessing she yeah. kind of showed up at places and she ordered it some, and other places they gave her stuff to try, maybe. That they, you know, when yeah, well, Tom you know, said they, they were coming, they, up, uh, they figured what they were going to give him or something. I don't know. Yeah, he had definitely set up the thing like with the butcher or whatever, which I thought was a really cool scene. A little bit of fucking, uh, you know, they got all the half cows fucking hanging and shit, you know. And, uh, you know, just a little bit of fucking, uh, you know, a map around the fucking, this half of the cow that we're going to, you know. Yeah, it was cool with the butcher. That, that that kinda, the butchering of, of meats and shit is kind of interesting and something you know that that i kind of like to learn more about oh uh, at any point i have an opportunity to learn more about so it's uh it's interesting for me but uh but i thought it was cool for the show too and, and the fact that he had set it up also was uh you know a, a good link there too you know and then her tasting some shit and she fell into some places that she had known like she ran into some people she knew which i thought was cool too not only the dialogue there and the topics of discussion which i think are going to come into play hopefully not in a negative way going into the future but this is something that's always going to be in the back of my as far as hey be careful who you're partner with and it's like this show has a tendency to bring shit up and bring shit up and bring shit up subtly and then all of a sudden it's a fucking thing you know so hopefully that's not the case with this but it's there you know yeah and just shout out that breakfast sandwich that was i think one of the first things she's got but it looked really good to be on the, the, the hash brown this nice little hash brown patty joint yes and uh, the, uh, the name of that fucking sausage, that Spanish sausage, what the fuck? Long fucking something. Longaniza. Yes. Good fucking Looks sausage. Good, man. I love a good sausage, man. So That's what she said. And uh, one other thing here is uh, when Sid's talking to Carm, she mentions that restaurants suck at desserts. Do you think that's kind of true for the most part? I think it is. Uh, as far as like on a on a on a large scale goes most of your restaurants aren't like banking on their fucking desserts you know desserts kind of like an afterthought when it comes to like you know you, you can make lunch you can make dinner you can do your appetizers your soup salads fucking entrees everything else dessert afterthought always the fact that they're going to do what they do with the desserts is kind of a big deal man which is you know something i need to fucking focus on too like my my arsenal of desserts sucks i think and i always blame that on mostly because i don't really eat desserts you know so i'm like well i don't really eat desserts so i don't really like to make them that much i have a couple that are pretty good and that's you know that's all i need but no now that i'm thinking about it man maybe i need a lot of them whether i eat them or not you know i mean there's all kinds of shit i don't eat that i cook all the fucking time so 
may as well fucking die on sir. I think the key is to make some up and make them pair with booze, so then you increase your margins by selling more booze, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, who goes out for the dessert, you know? I mean, sometimes people will. But most of the time, it's like, it, it kind of has to just accompany and finish off the entire thing. You know, it's usually never the main star, like, oh, the, my duck au l'orange was all right, but the dessert was fucking fantastic. I mean, I would take that as a review because you get a fucking fantastic in there. But again, it's like, well, who comes for the, the school and all, but I would have liked my entree to be, you know, more of the fucking... So, I don't know, I think a well-balanced, more of a well-balanced is really where you want to be, but, um, and desserts are in that. So, yeah, far out, go fucking hard on desserts, man. Start learning more desserts. <laughs> I like that, man. I like that. They even give the episode title to it. They call it Sunday. Yeah. And I think it's time to give a grade to Sunday. Again, season two, episode three. We grade each episode of The Bear on a scale of zero to three stars. Kind of Michelin style here. You can give out a half if you need to. Soup, how many stars are you given to Sunday? Right, I was really fucking thinking on giving it to but I've got to give it that extra half just because I can and because of some of the certain extra things in here that are just fucking great. You know, I mean, the whole situation, like some of the dialogue about, you know, even even with Claire about the facts, there's a lot of fucking facts out there. So there's an extra half a star for the little things in this episode, the sprinkles on the Sunday. And that's what gave it that extra five, extra point five. So two and a half on this one. Fair enough. I, I can see why you go there. I think I'm just going to go with the two flat. Very good episode still. I don't think there's ever been a bad one when it comes to the bear, but I think the two flat is where I'm going to sit in this one. Still, still a very good time. Enjoyed it very much. And uh, I think that brings us to the time where we pick our episode MVP. So who's your uh, your Sunday of the, who's your big Sunday here, man? Who's giving your banana splits your MVP for episode three? I mean, it, it can't not be Sid on this one, dude. I mean, if you, if you were to break it down, this is probably the Sid episode of the season, you know. Um, here's the main reason, because of the in her head shit. You know, when she was visioning like different plates and shit, and it was all like super fast flashes of it. But I mean, that and just like, you could tell what she was going through, man, it was important. Uh, you know, it was definitely like deep in Sid's mind for like a hot minute there, or most of the episode. Anyway, she fucking crushed it. She gets this fucking MVP. Yep, she's getting it for me too. I already wrote it on the oh, paper. I was trying to find some kind of off the board way to go with it, but I, I really couldn't. Like you said, I think it's not quite the, the Sid episode. There's still other stuff going on, but it's definitely really focused on her. I think she does a great job. And now it's time to talk about things as they relate to episodes later in the season, the rest of season two. So if you have not seen past episode three, now is when you can bail out. Go ahead, watch those episodes. You can either come back and watch this or just look on our feed. You can find our next episode where we'll cover episodes four and five of season two. And for everybody else, here we go. Full spoilers for the rest of season two, all of season one, everything from here on out for the rest of this episode. You have been warned. I think one of the most interesting things here is at the very beginning of the episode, Karen gets that kind of monologue at the Al-Anon meeting where he talks about his inability to have fun or appreciate things. And you hear him basically split that, spit that back, not quite verbatim, but the whole gist of that when he's trapped in the freezer and that's kind of what Claire hears. So nice job of kind of setting that up here. Yeah, it definitely is very, very similar to that, man. And, uh, you know, and I like this, and I think we only got the one scene in, in season one where he was in the meeting, but we know he's going to meetings, you know, so 
this isn't totally like, you know, I don't know that I want to see this every episode. I don't know that I want it on a Tony Soprano level where you get him with the therapist or in the, or in the whatever meeting he's in as, as like a, you know, foundation for the, for the show. But I like that it's there. And I think we will see more of this because I think it's going to be relevant, um, especially given the, you know, the mental instability of the rest of the family that we're now learning about and everything else. I, th I think his, his mental, uh, you know, whatever the fucks are, are going to be something that's you know an issue of up or down but definitely there uh going forward so yeah in kind of circling back around to the fake number that kind of fits with this right i think car probably gave her the fake number because he knew even if he liked her that he couldn't afford to split his attention right now that's kind of how i read it and then he kind of got circles back to that in the finale when he's trapped in the freezer do you think that's why he gave her the fake number um yeah i i think it's that and i think it you know it caught him off guard he's in the middle of all this shit and he uh, yeah i think he knew he's like you know what man i can't deal with this right now because i have this going on which you know yeah i think he gave her the fake number on purpose but i think the fact that she tracked him down which you could either take as this is creepy and stalkerish or uh maybe this is a fucking awesome thing you know so i think he's taking it as maybe this is an awesome thing but we'll see i mean we we know how that we know where that actually we're in that point of the show where i can talk about it we know how this ends up not very good i myself not a fan of this whole thing not that i can you know not that i hate the character player i don't i don't dislike her in any way i don't blame her for anything it's not her fault but uh i think that she is a, a wrench in the fucking uh plan here you know so uh poorly timed uh pretty much if they could maybe figure out a way to put their relationship off a little bit you know let it until some other shit works its way out then maybe that could work um but you know right now i i feel like it's definitely just a uh, distraction as we see you know come to fruition later on well theoretically that's probably good running because that's probably exactly what she was supposed to seem like well, it kind of make you feel so it just sucks because of the job of the writers just like all right we gotta make everyone kind of hate this character you know not for being a bad person just because we want to see Carm in the kitchen and doing all the other Carm stuff we don't really want to see him you know going to parties and, and moving furniture or whatever the hell he's kind of doing here yeah and again i will get i will give mad props to not even showing a bit of that i love that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah as do i and when we see Carm's to-do list you see right at the top call fridge guy yeah so yeah. that all circles oh, around nice. we yeah. We see it on the expo board too earlier on. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, and we see Sid with kind of the Coach K book. So that'll be a kind of a running thing right down to the end. And she's putting Coach K stickers on her on her station or whatever. Uh, the one thing I would say is they kind of they did pretty good with the details this season, but they do kind of yada yada the hiring a bit, right? Sid's all worried about it in three, and then it comes up a little bit here and there with interviews. But then you kind of get to you know the, the last two episodes and they have a full staff. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, hiring hiring process sucks, dude. It really does. Because sometimes you're in a position where you just got to take what you can get. And sometimes you can be selective. You know, uh, I don't know anybody right now that can be fucking selective. That might just be where I live in my world and everything else or the people I know. But most people are taking whatever they can get. And if it doesn't work, it don't work. But it, we tried, you know. Um, it's few and it's not like a dime a dozen like it used to be where you know yeah you can just hire another cook or even another fucking dishwasher for fuck's sake it's hard to get help in any fucking aspect of, of a restaurant and not only restaurants but all kinds of other businesses too so uh so i feel the pain on that i get it what it's like i recently am going through a similar thing with with you know trying to you know we have summer help that is leaving or has already left 
trying to replace those spots and shit to, you know, to, to go into the next phase of the season and everything else. And, uh, you know, coming up with, uh, with staff is definitely a very difficult thing, especially from scratch, you know? So, um, when you're doing it from scratch, it's not really just trying to fill spots. It's more like we're building this and this is what we need. So that's even way more difficult. Um, but, uh, yeah, Loki, one of my favorite parts of three was when she went and tried to poach the other workers in like that alley or whatever. And the other chef came out and started yelling at her. Uh, I'm not even going to say that I've never done that because, uh, Hey man, you what, you don't like it over here? Do you just come check it out? Where you know, I mean, th those things happen, and uh, that might just be in a friendly manner. But yes, in a more uh, in a more like you know, I don't want to say malicious, but a more intense kind of like you know, just strangers and whatnot. Oh, well, she know, knew what know. she was doing. She rolls up like, "Oh, hey, I heard about." Because <laughs> if she wasn't the right. one actually asking, and that's a, no, that's a common thing. That's definitely a common thing, man. Poaching employees is, a, is it's out there, man. You know, but that's a, that. You know, some some people look for the highest bidder. Some people look for, you know, this is the kind of place I like to be at. Some people look for environment. Some people look for hours. You know, availability, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, you can. I mean, as far as poaching people goes, man. I mean, whatever you have to offer that somebody else isn't, sometimes people will bite on that shit. You know. I love it when I don't remember if it's in this episode or one a little bit forward, but it doesn't matter when they're doing the hiring and everyone's being kind of particular. And then the dude Josh is like, just like, all right, I'll work whenever. And to like, great, you're hired. Yeah. And, and we know why. I'm mean, just available. You know, I'll take it. Yeah. And then also, I remember the one. It's like, yeah, I can do it, but I can't work on Fridays. It's a restaurant, man. I mean, you kind of probably have to work on Friday. <laughs> so, but you'll get that. I'm sure. I'm sure you do. Um, not a lot here other than nice little setup for Richie here. He hears about his ex getting a promotion and everything like that, kind of setting up the idea that she's going to get remarried. We find out about that in Forks, and he sets up the Taylor Swift thing with his daughter. So good writing here, just kind of bringing it back around. And I guess maybe one last thing. What about Sid when she goes to make that pasta at the end? Was it just about proving to herself that she could? I think it was a bit of, I think it was a bit of that and to see if it could be a thing. Like if I can do this and I like it and it works this time and I finally fucking make it, then I'll put that maybe I can think about it as a menu option. You know, I think it was all that shit was in her brain trying to put this together because I think it was a dish that she really wanted to do before it failed at and it's trying to perfect. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, at some point moving forward, she does perfect that dish and it becomes a menu item, you know. Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice I little like prediction there. I like that. Very cool. All right, man. Uh, anything else on episode three or is that about to do it? And that about does it. I did really enjoy the I did really enjoy the food and uh, aspect of it. You know, getting to see a bunch of different things. I liked the idea or the the portrayal of fucking Chicago. Like you know, you get her traveling around the city, and and it, it's just cool. It's just a cool visionary fucking look at the city of Chicago. You know, and how it's like you know public transit like that. You can just get around. And like I don't live in a place where I can just hop on a fucking whatever the fuck they're called the, the subways and, or l trains or whatever the shit and just go from this part of town to that part of town real quick and, you know so i like that i think that's kind of cool man you have this huge city that you can just jump on a fucking on a something and be there and you know so uh i like that that she was able to get around all these different places and explore some of these different places man and and you know the food yes absolutely was was cool that's something that anybody likes to do i like to do that i like to go out to fucking restaurants just to what do you got, man? Let me try this because I never have before. Like, I don't really ever go out to a restaurant to order something like I want to eat. 
It's more like if I go to a restaurant, it's like, oh, you know what? This is different. Let me see what that's all about. <laughs> you know, it's more, it's more of a studying kind of thing, which is weird because it makes it, it makes it kind of harder to enjoy it, but almost better to enjoy it sometimes too. So it's a fine line, double-edged sword. That seems to track it. It's like someone like that, like you, like how just wired like that with food. It's probably hard to just turn your brain off and just eat something. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you're hammered at 2.30 in the morning and all you have is two, two day old McDonald's or something and then you do what you have to do. And you're still like, what the fuck? <laughs> you put no heart in anything. <laughs> all right, man. I think that's it for this episode covering episodes one through three of season two. We're going to continue to work our way through the season. Next up are episodes four and five. We're going to kind of cover those in one chunk in one episode. So check our feed out for that. We are the Bear Brigade presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Again, find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube, on social media, at Dudes Watch Stuff. Don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our channel. We greatly appreciate it. If you had fun, give us that thumb. I'm Meg Mills. That's a soup deucer. And please remember, you either fork or you get forked. Fucking right, dude. Let it rip. Did you love